Hello and welcome to Warshaw Burstein Perspectives, our continuing series of podcasts to help you understand the key issues at the intersection of law and business. Today we will look at a recent victory that Warshaw Burstein won on behalf of uh, tenants of a lower Manhattan loft building in federal bankruptcy court. And we're pleased to have with us today partner at Warshaw Burstein, Slava Hazen. Slava, thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. This is a case you've been working on with your partner, Bruce Weiner, who has been working on this for many years, I understand. Tell us, how did a uh, landlord-tenant dispute end up in federal bankruptcy court? Well, it's quite interesting. This goes back uh, about 40 years, and uh, Bruce Weiner, my partner, uh, has been representing uh, some of these tenants for a very long time. It goes back to the 70s, even before the loft law was passed in the early 80s. And Bruce has been representing uh, residents of this building for a very long time. It's on Van Dam Street? Yes, it's uh, Van Dam Street, uh, downtown uh, Lower Manhattan, right by the entrance of the uh, Holland Tunnel. And so many of these tenants have been living there for decades. Yes, the long-term tenants. Um, a lot of them are uh, artisans. Uh, they're craftspeople uh, who've been living in the building since uh, about the 1970s. So what brought on this uh, specific case? I understand uh, the uh, landlord uh, tried to sell the building. Well, uh, we have to take it back a couple of steps. Uh, and one is that it started out uh, most recently as a foreclosure action. Um, the owner of the building took out a mortgage, in fact two of them. Uh, that mortgage went into default. Uh, there were also uh, uh, unpaid real estate taxes. There was a separate uh, foreclosure action that was brought. In February of this year, right before a scheduled auction sale, the debtor filed for bankruptcy. Um, so this case is now in uh, bankruptcy court in the Eastern District. And uh, there was a motion brought on by the debtor uh, to sell the property, uh, a building, residential building, free and clear of all liens and covenances, including and especially our clients' uh, uh, possessory interest in the building. And uh, those possessory interests uh, derive from uh, what? Statutory. Uh, they derive from the New York State uh, loft law. It's the New York Multiple Dwelling Law which um, uh, was passed in the early 80s uh, as a way to uh, resolve a situation where landlords illegally converted commercial buildings for residential use without providing uh, all the essential services and, and safety features um, which are required in multiple dwellings. So like many of the renter's laws in New York State, this is meant to protect the, the tenants? It was meant to protect both the tenants and also offer uh, owners of building a way to um, be able to legally collect rent by legalizing the buildings uh, by entering into a process uh, whereby they would convert commercial buildings to residential buildings. Uh, in order to legally collect rent, you either you have to do two things, yeah, one, one, of, uh, one of two things. Uh, one, either get a certificate of occupancies uh, for a residential building or two, uh, complete the legalization process before the loft, uh, the loft board. So that process never happened here? Never happened here, absolutely. So is that kind of a legal limbo the tenants have been in for years? Um, I guess you can describe it as that. Um, none of the owners have been able to legally collect uh, rent from the, um, the residents of the building, uh, which also meant that they've had to fend for themselves 
And uh, in fact, they organized uh, their own tenants association uh, to provide the essential services uh, and utilities that the landlord uh, was not providing them. So you've told us the landlord declared bankruptcy and now there are several foreclosure proceedings. Take us uh, into the next step in this saga. Well, there were state court, uh, there were two state court proceedings, foreclosure actions uh, that were pending before the sale uh, and debtor filed bankruptcy in order to prevent uh, an imminent uh, foreclosure sale. Uh, as you know, upon uh, the filing of a bankruptcy, uh, bankruptcy petition, uh, the automatic stay goes into effect. The effect of which is it stays all, uh, all litigation, all efforts to collect upon debts, uh, which is the reason, main reason why uh, debtors um, file for bankruptcy, to get the protection. So the debtor has gone into court now saying, into bankruptcy court saying uh, the tenants uh, do not have, uh, in his words, a possessory interest to the property. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, the position the landlord took is that uh, these were holdover tenants. Uh, whose leases expired long ago and they no longer had any interest uh, in the property. Um, the debtor filed a motion under Section 363 of the Bankruptcy Code, which permits under certain circumstances, which don't exist here, uh, to sell a property free and clear of interest. And what did you argue in response in, in behalf of the tenants? Uh, well, we argued along with other parties, including the Tax Lien Trust and the City of New York, represented by Corporation Council, is that uh, our clients are, are statutory tenants. Their rights to possession stem from the statute, which is the loft law, and not uh, on a lease. And uh, the statutory protections uh, trump uh, any argument uh, that the, uh, the debtor had uh, that they had no rights or that their rights had expired. So tell us now, how did the bankruptcy judge uh, take those competing arguments? Well, it was kind of interesting. Uh, the, a lot of the arguments made by uh, the debtor, uh, the, debtor uh, the judge uh, uh, referred to them as novel. Uh, they were creative uh, in trying to find a way to get around the protections afforded to our clients by, by the loft law. Uh, the judge, uh, in a well-written, well-reasoned uh, opinion, uh, went through all the arguments uh, that the debtor made and rejected every single one of them. And so the holding was what? The, um, the holding um, of the court is that uh, the court finds that the statutory tenants have possessory rights granted to them under the loft law, which the debtor cannot disturb under Section 363 of the Bankruptcy Code. Uh, what makes this decision uh, interesting is, as the judge noted uh, in a decision, this is really a case of first impression. Um, as noted by the court, while there are other cases uh, which have held that the Bankruptcy co Code cannot be used to uh, defeat the rights of uh, rent-regulated tenants, uh, this is really the first decision that dealt with uh, the loft law in that context. So you've made new law here? Uh, in a way, um, it's, uh, it's really an extension of, uh, of existing precedent, uh, and that's what the, the judge's decision is based on. Uh, and that precedent has to do with uh, rent control, rent stabilization? It has to do with uh, the rights of statutory tenants. 
um, their protection lies in the statute and not in the lease. So if you have a statute that gives you a right to stay in a building, uh, basically this is saying that a landlord cannot try to use the bankruptcy laws to uh, terminate your right to stay. That's exactly what the, this decision holds. So put this in perspective for us now. Uh, let's begin with the tenants. Uh, this is an ongoing uh, case right now, isn't it? Absolutely. It's still uh, at this point in the bankruptcy court. And so we're speaking in uh, July of 2018. Uh, will there be an appeal? Uh, yes, uh, the debtor has filed an appeal, uh, and that will go to the United States District Court. And uh, where do the tenants stand right now? Exactly um, where, where they were yesterday, uh, last month, last year, and a couple of decades ago. They have a right uh, to continued possession um, of, their, uh, of their apartments in the building. And they're not paying rent? Legally, they're not required to pay rent because the, the building was never legalized. Uh, the, the debtor who bought the building in 2002, subject uh, to the rights uh, of our clients, uh, never did uh, what he should have done and was in the process of doing, of legalizing the building. And so legally, uh, he was never able to uh, collect any rent from our clients. So they're paying uh, for the maintenance and functions of the building themselves to a great extent. Well, yes. Um, the rent that they would have paid to the landlord, uh, those funds are used uh, for the maintenance, uh, upkeep, repair, uh, paying the utilities of this building. We're speaking with Slava Hazen, who uh, is telling us about uh, a victory he won for a group of lower Manhattan tenants in their uh, dispute uh, with their landlord in bankruptcy court. It is a case of first impression, um, and so uh, now that this is a settled law, what impact do you think this might have going forward? Well, first of all, um, I have to acknowledge my partner, Bruce Weiner, uh, who has been working on this case longer than I've been practicing law. Um, he's been representing these tenants uh, for several decades now. I think a decision like this, which clearly says that bankruptcy law can't be used to take away the rights of statutory tenants, uh, will send a signal to uh, landowners that uh, you can't uh, go into bankruptcy court uh, and uh, take away uh, uh, rights granted by statute. I think uh, it's important um, for the uh, protections of tenants, uh, and it's also important uh, for landlords to know exactly uh, what the rights are of, um, of their tenants. And when you win a case like this one, uh, what kind of uh, personal satisfaction do you get as a professional? I'm happy for our clients. Uh, I think it's a great result for them, and uh, that's what we do here at Warshaw. We advocate for our clients and their best interests. All right. Uh, Slava Hazen, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. We've been uh, speaking with uh, Slava Hazen, a partner at the law firm Warshaw Burstein, about uh, the recent uh, victory in a uh, bankruptcy court ruling regarding a landlord-tenant dispute in Lower Manhattan. And Slava, if anybody wants to contact you about uh, this area of the law or any other part of your practice, how can they do that? You can go on our website at wbny.com, uh, pull up my page, my contact information is there, and also my partner, Bruce Weiner. All right, thank you very much uh, for enlightening us today. And uh, please also go to wbny.com for other Warshaw Burstein Perspectives podcasts and for more information about the Warshaw Burstein Law Firm. Thanks for listening. I'm John Metaxas.